you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager, and this is the podcast, The Season with Peter Schrager. We're now entering the divisional round of the playoffs, and this is my favorite weekend of the football calendar. You know, football is now a 52-week season, and I always say wild card round is a nice appetizer, kind of a play-in game feel. Divisional round, you have your best eight teams, and you have four games, and it's clean and it's simple. Two on Saturday, two on Sunday, and then we're into championship week, and away we go. And gosh, I look at this NFC slate. And can I just say from like a fan slash TV slash media perspective, when those logos show up, there's a certain feel about different teams. Two years ago, the Buccaneers, there's Tom Brady and this great deal and Brady and the Bucks, and gosh, he's, he's getting Gronk out of retirement too. And it was a cool story. But when you show me four logos and it's the New York Giants, which goes back to the 30s. And it's the Philadelphia Eagles and all their history and the birth of the NFL and where the league offices used to be in Philadelphia and what Philadelphia means to the NFL. Then you give me that Cowboys star and what the Cowboys mean to the NFL. And then you throw in the 49ers and their history. You're telling me those are the last four teams? Look, the Steelers, rich franchise, the Packers, of course, but I'd say in the top 10 are those four teams as far as national fan bases, that logo mattering. Aaron, my producer, I love you, buddy. I, I, I got to think, I don't know about your generation, but when you see those four logos, Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers, does that neck it just get you out of your chair? Or are you more of, well... I like the stories and the players, and it would be cool. To, to me, I don't know. I get those four national brands. Uh, giddy up. Let's go. Yeah, I think all four of them, like you're saying, have like historical significance that's really great. But also, even with – they all have, as a franchise, great storylines in the past five, ten years. So, yeah. like, lo, you know, Shanahan and the 49ers, like, watching that go up and down and, like, now potentially having this big resurgence. Like, even if I, I am a fan of certain players or, you know, like, a bunch of people who are, like, fantasy-focused are going to follow certain individuals, they're great storylines for each one of these franchises. So you got those four, which I agree. Then on the AFC, it's, like, quarterback heaven. I mean, you're talking about Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and then maybe the next dude is Trevor Lawrence. I Look, I work for the NFL. I work for Fox Sports. I work for iHeart. Of course, it's in my best interest for high ratings and for great fit. But if you're telling me, pick eight teams, pick two matchups in the AFC this weekend, pick two matchups in the NFC this weekend, seed the teams. 
If you ask me to do that, I might draw it up this way. I might draw it up as an old school NFC East battle between the Giants and the Eagles. And then Sunday, you get that classic rivalry going back to, you know, even before the catch, there's a famous stallback game against the Niners. But then you got the catch and you got the 92 NFC Championship game, the 93 NFC Championship game, the 95 NFC Championship game. Right up to last year, they had a great divisional round or wild card round game where Dak, you know, the clock went out. Gosh, that's awesome. And then on the AFC, you're getting four quarterbacks that are the future of the sport. And you could have interchanged Herbert with Lawrence, whatever. I would have taken either one of them. But this is how it should be. These are the eight teams. No complaints here. Uh, the networks have to be thrilled. The NFL's got to be thrilled. Great, great games. Great, great logos and uh, some amazing stories. And if you're in for the Brock Purdy story, it's there for you. If you're in for the Mahomes story, it's there for you. If you're in for the Buffalo Bills incredible roller coaster season story, it's there. And then how about this? The Rams, they're home watching. The Bengals, everyone said, well, it's hard to 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 get back to the Super Bowl. Bengals have won eight straight games and look good. And they're and they're on the on the precipice. So. I'm here for it. I think divisional round is going to be awesome. But before we get to you know any more matchups on that, I wanted to talk about some of the coaching stuff and some of the news that I made. And gosh, I was not, I was not expecting. Um, Cliff Kingsbury and I are are friends, and uh, after he got let go, we talked for a while. Then we talked some more, and then I had multiple teams reach out to me and say, "Oh, I know you're friends with Cliff." Like what, what's his deal? We might have a job available for him, whatever. So here's his number. So I would pass Cliff's number along, you know, whatever. Um, Cliff had already booked a ticket to Thailand where he was going on vacation. Uh, he talked to, I'm sure some people, whether he was interested or not. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that in a couple of weeks or a month when he returns, whenever it is. And maybe he will be working next year. We'll see. But Cliff's mindset was, I'm going to Thailand. It's been a brutal last 12 months. I need to clear my head. And, you know, guy with no kids, guy who's been coaching every day uh, since he was finished as a player, been fired already at Texas Tech, took the, the, the OC job at the USC, then got offered the head coaching job at, at the Cardinals. It's been a whirlwind. And he's just taking some time for the first time in maybe 20 years. He's taking some time for himself. I put that story out there. Which I did on the podcast last week also. I said he's going away and he's going to collect check. I did it on the podcast, but I put it out there on Sunday on Fox. Aaron, it was a number one trending story on Saturday, on Sunday. Yesterday, the New York Post, Ryan Glassbeagle does a whole piece about it with pictures of his girlfriend, Veronica, and they're in Thailand and it's a profile on her. And it's Tuesday when we're recording this. I had no idea this story would take off the way it did. And the initial response was, how awesome. Like, how awesome in a cutthroat world of, of you know, go, 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 do, 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 do. I think the, the response, and it came from all angles. It came from people in the coaching community who are like, good for him. People who are fans saying, gosh, I wish I could do that to my employer and just say, you know, screw it. I, I need to take some time for myself. Uh, or former employer. And then also, like, I think even in like, you know, circles of like mental health, like I got, I got texts and tweets from people in the mental health field being like, what a beacon, what a, what an amazing precedent to set that like, Hey, it's okay to do you, especially after, you know, coaching through a pandemic, coaching through uh, the Kyler Murray situation this year, coaching through a GM who, who took some time away for his own health reasons. Like, I don't know. I, 
there was a lot of negative. Actually, I shouldn't say there wasn't a lot of negative. There was some skeptics. There were some people, and like I got, I got a little upset when people were like, "Yeah, but you know, he's the middle finger to the NFL, and you don't do that." I don't think that's what it was. I think Cliff's been through a lot, and he just needs some time away, and he's taking that time away. And I didn't think anything of it. But Aaron, when I say the tweet that was put out from Fox and the tweet that I put out, I'm not like. Look, I'd be a lot wealthier and in a lot better position if I was an Instagram superstar or a YouTube influencer or a Twitter machine. I'm not. Uh, I report news and I give my insights. This one, I mean, I think I had like, I mean, I'm not kidding. The video from Fox had like 18 million views of me just saying that a head coach has bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. Were you surprised it took off that much? Or you saw this when you heard me say it to you, were you like, ooh, that's juicy? Yeah, when you said it, I was I was like, oh, that's a like I'm that's a good nugget. And then Saturday, I remember look, like opening NFL Reddit and being like, oh my god, like here it is, and like so busy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame them. Uh, I think you know, you go to Thailand, you get some of the best street food in the world. Like uh, he's gonna have a great time. He's gonna have some amazing food and like beautiful scenery. Uh, good break. I like it. Yeah, he's a great dude, and he's a world traveler, and he's one of these guys that that does this and <laughs> will take advantage of the moment. But he's also not a disrespectful guy, so I don't want it to come off as him, like you know, saying, "You know what? Screw the NFL. That's not it." I wouldn't be shocked if he was coaching again. Um, maybe not this year, or maybe this year. I don't know. Like, not knowing, like, there are a lot of people who love Cliff in this league that they say, "Hey, I actually think he's a really good play designer. Like, you can come work for us, and you don't have to, you know." be here in February working on draft boards. You can come in July or August or whatever. Uh, so to, to, to tie the loop together. So I, so of course me, if you, if you have listened to the podcast and you, you know, me and Aaron, sometimes when we have a good interview with a coach, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't put that out. It might not put them in the best light. Like I had a pit in my stomach, like a real pit in my stomach. And I'm like, do I reach out to Cliff? Like, I didn't know this would go this way. He's here on a vacation. Like, does this look like I was being selfish, like putting this out as like my news when in truth, it's about him and he needs to get some time away. And the last thing he wants to do is turn on his phone and be trending on Twitter. This dude is such a good guy. He reaches out to me and says, Hey, saw, saw the stuff. Don't sweat it. You're a good man. You're a good soul. Like just, you know, uh, hope you're doing great and keep on crushing the NFL season and do the best job you can. And I'm like, Oh my God, I could wrap my arms around him. I'm like, that's such grace. Cause a lot of, a lot of guys in my position and I, I like all those guys. Like I don't know how they sleep with it sometimes when it's like, here's the gossip. This coach is getting fired. And it's like, God, uh, there's a human element to it. And it's like the win of reporting that versus the, like the stress of like the guy's family finding out on Twitter or your bottom line ticker. And gosh, like they're so good at what they do. I think Schefter and Rappaport, those two right now are like the day to day, like, you know, breaking the news and stuff like that. And it's, it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of negotiating in your head what to report, what not to report. This one to me, I thought was like a fun, silly piece. I wasn't firing Cliff Kingsbury. And yet when it went as viral as it did and like the amount of people that reached out, I'm talking like celebrities like that I don't know tweeting me and then, you know, coaches that I don't have relationships with, with like unknown numbers being like, hey, it's blank. Saw the Kingsbury thing. F yeah. Like finally someone. And it's like, I was blown away by it. Um, but Cliff, as we record this, is still in Thailand. If you're if you're over in Thailand and you see him, snap a pic just to give proof. Um, we'll see how that all plays out. The other story that I had that that kind of went big was that McVeigh's coming back. And I broke that one in a 
in so many ways on Friday, but then on Saturday uh, on the Fox show explained that there's going to be staff changes made. I talked to Sean for a while yesterday. This is Tuesday. You talked to him yesterday. He's invigorated. Like he's back. He's, he, I thought he's going to take three months. He took three days. <laughs> he's just wired in a way that's like, I, I can't, I can't give up on these guys. And I just don't want to be that guy who quit when the going got tough. And I explained it on this podcast that he's been through so much on a personal level. And I'm talking real stuff. Like we don't have to get into all the details, but real stuff, death of family members and, and his in-laws family and in the Ukraine, like real stuff. He's, he's dealing with that too. Um, but his whole thing was he wanted to find, the joy in football again. And he, not that he had lost it, but like he had this like feverish pursuit in 2017 and 2018. And then they won it last year. And like, he still has that desire to have that same joy. And it was kind of like, so one of the things that he's going to be working on is building up a different staff. And it's nothing against the guys who helped him win the Super Bowl title. And some guys who were in the building last year that weren't with Super Bowl title that are going to be elsewhere moving forward. But I think he just is like, I need to surround it with myself with some different guys. I need to mix it up. I'm going to take some time. Um, and I'm going to take a lot of time on me, which sounds selfish or it sounds like, you know, everything opposite of team sports, but um, in the last few years, McVay's been spread very thin. He's burned it on both ends. And the result was just a burnt out cat who, you know, was trying to muster up every piece of energy he can to coach a team that was obviously injured and undermanned. And he's like, I didn't like the person I was. I didn't like the coach I was. And I just need to be cognizant of it. So I think we're talking mental health with Cliff Kingsbury. I think there's a mental health aspect to how Sean McVay approaches um, the future of his coaching career. And I, I'd be very surprised if if he wasn't open and honest and vulnerable in how he's approaching that and how he can have more of a work-life balance and uh, be a better coach, be a better man, be a better friend, be a better family member, all that stuff, and not be so obsessive. And Because so, the only way he's known it is it goes back to like the Gruden way. It goes back to his grandfather's way of like, you're in at 2.30 in the morning and you're grinding tape and you're just going, 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 going. And he realized he wasn't happy doing that. So I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I asked him to come on the podcast this week. He said... Uh, that time will come. He's still taking some time to just kind of lay low, um, which I appreciate. The last piece, and then we'll get to to our guest, who's going to be awesome, by the way. The last piece is the uh, Sean Payton sweepstakes, as I will update this as if I'm like following Panda Watch or something. Um, it is officially January 17th, which on your calendar might be the day after Martin Luther King Day. It might be the second uh, or third Tuesday in January, or it's Sean Payton can interview day. He can officially do interviews today. Uh, I don't know if it's reported or not. Denver, I believe, is on the docket, and they will be coming to him, which I think is uh, kind of a boss move. You got these new owners up in Denver, and they'll be flying to LA to meet with him on his grounds. Always like, there's always like little stuff like this. It's almost like a chessboard, and I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Um, he will meet with the Houston owners, Cal McNair, and uh, I believe Nick Casario, who is the current GM. And from what I gather from everything we're hearing in Houston, Nick's job is not in jeopardy after they fired Lovey. It was like Nick's might be gone, but it sounds like Nick is going to be okay and safe. And at the end of the week, he will be flying to New York to interview with David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, which is interesting because the Saints are in the same division as the Carolina Panthers. The Saints have to trade 
Sean Payton to whoever he goes to and have to get draft picks back. The question I have is, are the Saints offering or asking for the same stuff from the Panthers that they would from the Texans or from the Broncos? The Broncos and the Texans, they are non-threats to the New Orleans Saints. The Carolina Panthers, they will face twice a year and their fans have to watch Sean Payton in a Panthers hat. Uh, I'd be intrigued to see how those negotiations go down if they even get to that point. Um, two other teams, we, we they were thinking it was going to be Arizona. I, they just hired their GM. There's been no official word as to when he is interviewing with Arizona. I believe they asked for permission, but I, I haven't heard anything about that. And the Indianapolis Colts seemed like there was nothing there. So right now it looks like three teams. And as we record this on Tuesday, Brandon Staley seems to be the head coach of the Chargers. That kind of blew up big on Saturday night after that all-time collapse. And then Sunday, everyone was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Then Monday, everyone was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Staley's still the coach right now. And as much as Sean Payton in LA is a perfect fit because of the young quarterback, but also he's already living there now and he loves it. Trust me, he loves it. Um, he talks about his life in Manhattan Beach to me often, and he and his wife, Skylene, are like as, as happy as could be living in L.A. right now. Um, I don't think that job is going to be open as of now, as we record this on Tuesday. They the- did. They just, uh, news just broke that they fired Lombardi. So I assume that means Staley yeah. stays. I think so. I think so. Good nugget. Ironically, Lombardi was one of... Uh, Peyton's old offensive coordinators in New Orleans. Um, yeah, that was the expectation. They'd make some staff changes. But I think Brandon's okay. And the players came out like really positive on Brandon Staley afterwards, which I was, you know, a pleasant surprise after that kind of loss. And then the other one's the Cowboys. How do you fire Mike McCarthy? Like everyone thought if they, you know, absolutely blew it, that that might be a conversation. Mike McCarthy just had a perfect performance. We'll see how it happens in San Francisco. I'm never going to count anything out, but... I don't know if Jerry's looking to fire Mike McCarthy after two 13-win seasons and two straight years to the playoffs, a playoff win. Like I don't know. It seems like the Cowboys have a pretty good coach, and to have to trade for Sean Payton, pay out McCarthy, pay Payton what he wants, that doesn't seem as likely now as it might have might have seemed a couple weeks ago after they lost to like the Washington Commanders in a Week 18 game. So that's the lay of the land there. Um, we're going to hit Lamar Jackson later in this podcast. We're going to hit some Tom Brady. We're going to hit Mike McDaniel. Was he vaping or not? Um, We're going to hit all of that. Aaron, our guest uh, is one of my favorite people in the NFL. It's a guy that I used to love covering as an analyst. It's amazing my path to him. Uh, His dad took me under his wing a little bit at Fox Sports when I was uh, brought over from the sidelines to the studios. Like, really good dude, his father. And then I got to meet his son, and I think we're like kindred spirits from a different time. Uh, that guy's Chris Long. We're going to have Chris Long on the podcast after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. As I mentioned earlier, he's one of my favorite people I've met in the NFL. I initially uh, got to know his father really well, and then now we've got a really cool friendship. I think he's 
got as good insights as anybody, and it's often on Twitter. It's also on his podcast, uh, and just has a fresh look at the game from an ex-player's perspective, which is crazy to say because he is an ex-player now, a couple of years removed. <laughs> uh, let's welcome in uh, the man, Chris Long. Chris, how you doing, man? What's up, dude? How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, there's so many fun storylines to the games, but I always find myself fixated on like some of the off-season stuff that is already percolating. Uh, I said in my intro here, in my monologue, I broke the the Kingsbury story, and I didn't, in a million years, Chris, I didn't think that thing was going to go as big as it did. And I almost had this pit in my stomach that like I was violating some trust with Clift, even though he, I know he has no problem with it. We've texted since. Why did that story take off so much that a head coach was going to Thailand and going on a one-way ticket? Why do you think that blew up the way it did? Because I'm still coming to grips with why that was such a fascination everywhere. Okay, there's a few factors. Number one, he's young. He's good-looking. That's what they say. Um, it seems like a fun place to go. Uh, it's also a very un-NFL head coach-like thing to do. Like We have certain things that govern the schedule in our year, and one of them is like, you, you get fired, you want to work the phones, you, you want to be close to home, the whole thing. I can remember being in, in East Africa, climbing Kilimanjaro as a free agent, using a sat phone, trying to, trying to get a hold of people. And I knew that when I went on the trip, uh, there was a good chance that maybe I'd get passed up for somebody because I was asleep or I couldn't get to the sat phone or they can't reach me. And, you know, like sometimes you just make decisions where you're like, I need to put myself and my peace of mind first. And it sounds like Cliff, who's probably justifiably burnt out and, uh, and, and, and needed some space, just said it, which I think is such a different thing to do for an NFL head coach or a guy who just got canned. So I thought it was cool. I think everybody fantasizes about just getting out of Dodge, right? Yeah. yeah. And like the dude actually did it. And uh, I don't, I'm sure he he's still in contact with teams over there and that sort of thing, but it's, it's not traditional, um, and it, and Thailand also, I think, is has become a place of, of intrigue since the hangover. So <laughs> I think there's a whole lot of factors that lead to that being a, a pretty provocative story. Um, but it's not what you imagine. I mean, we were texting. I was imagining he was over there just partying and you know just letting loose, and um, you know he, he just is getting some space and and needed a trip. So yeah, uh, and I, I I love it too. And I said. The amount of responses I got, 99% of them were positive from funny people on Twitter with memes and all that stuff. But the coaching community, so many coaches reached out to me, guys whose numbers I don't have, where it says like unknown number. And it's like, hi, Peter, I'm blank blank. And I am the special teams coordinator with team X. I just want to tell you, if you speak to Cliff, tell him, hell yeah, that is awesome. Yes. Like everyone like using me as a conduit to like, thank yeah. him for it. The other aspect was like a strong, like mental health community, like outreach of like, yes, in today's day and age, yes, it's okay to just it's okay. go away. And that's what every, yeah. everybody's got that in them where they fantasize about just getting out of Dodge. I know I do all the time, uh, but we have things that constrain us and keep us home and keep us busy. And so I think a little part of everybody did a fist pump when they heard that Cliff was on a flight to Thailand and then also meme culture. Yeah, You know, it's just fun to imagine Cliff Kingsbury, you, you, you people were putting up graphics Cliff Kingsbury to Thailand, you know, Cliff Kingsbury on a flight to Thailand, a one-way ticket, that sort of thing. So it was like fun and it was like good for the guy. I mean, it's so easy, I feel like now, to just be so hard on coaches. Like he didn't do a good job. He got canned. 
there were there were factors there that that were probably out of his control. It didn't seem like a joy to coach Kyler Murray at times, um, but the bottom line is these are people, and uh, I think sometimes we can go so hard on these people um, that that it can be kind of ugly. Uh, and I, I I feel like for Cliff uh, to just get away from it and not hear the noise and be somewhere else is uh, is also not a bad a bad uh, strategy. I also like, you know, another head coach called me and was like, you know, anyone who's like, because there was a, a small contingent and some, you know, sports media people and some NFL writers being like, it's a, it's a real F you to the league. And it's not fair to all the different guys who don't have that. And like, why would you do that? Why would, why would, why would you boast about it? And he didn't boast about it. I reported it and I don't, I sort of regret doing it even. I don't do know. You really? I, I, I'm having a weird time with it, to be honest. I have a weird I, time sometimes saying something that's true, uh, and, and feeling like I shouldn't have been the one to say it, you know? Yeah, like I feel like I betrayed. Um, so he's got such, such amazing heart and grace. Like I'd said in the final, like proactively, he, he texted me. It was like, dude, this thing went wild. It's all good. I love you, brother. Like, yeah. I can't wait to see it when I get it. So yeah. he's, he's cool, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't feel great. Well, like, how is it a middle finger to the league? So there's thoughts that like, you should be rushing back to be the quarterback coach of the new Orleans saints or some. And that was my point. It's like, he just got fired. There is no rule that you have to be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. If you're fired as a head coach, especially yeah. not a week afterwards. Yeah. So no, the I rule think, is you got to be fired as, you have to have two head coaches fired to be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. That's right. So that's you right. can't no, have one fired learning. head coach. You need to have multiple guys. Yeah. Just kind of working yeah. the, both levers. Um, he's awesome. He'll come back from Thailand. He's not living there, and he'll be back. And maybe he'll work you next never know. year. He might. He might. I think he's coming back. Okay. <laughs> um, but maybe he'll work next year. And like he's got enough friends in the league where if he needed to you know, itch, scratch that itch, fine. But Cliff does not want to be in like draft meetings right now. No. Cliff does not want to be talking about free agent meetings. So – do you do your thing? I just it blew me away, Chris. It was the number one trending story for like three days. Oh, it's wild! And it's, it's the perfect any time, but anytime that happens, and you're a reporter, and this is a close friend, and also a source, and all that stuff that you might say, and I, the amount of things that I don't share online, like the amount of stuff I don't share yeah. on Fox because I want to maintain the relationship, to think that I might have hurt him in some way, or burned him in some way, or changed the way that people look at him, but. For the most part, it seems pretty positive. No, but I definitely get the same way. And you deal a lot more in information than I do. And so, like, just I, I put myself in y'all's shoes sometimes. It's a really crazy business. Like, you know, and, and sometimes information can be hurtful to people. And sometimes seemingly benign information can be hurtful to people. And that's what I always worry about. And so I definitely tip my cap to you for having to navigate those waters because it'd it's be tough. hard for me. I kind of like just sitting here and the game our podcast is all you know we deal in some information yeah but mostly what we deal in is like some guys with maybe a little more knowledge than the average person on the couch watching games yeah you know and just and BSing great. with your buddies but like i when i get in your situation where we have to make news i get anxiety i get man. anxiety and it's and it's putting food on the table for me so yeah. you know mcveigh was an interesting one because we talk daily and i knew every step of the way and he's asking me to let's just not make this a thing let's be lay low and then like you know to her credit diana russini breaks it on friday and i'm like good for diana you know like mm -hmm. good for her like that's cool i didn't feel comfortable coming out and being like mcveigh's coming back because i also know he's firing coaches and like the yeah. tone is all weird so it's weird it, it, it's like, definitely weird and i understand like and you know more than me obviously talking to him being tight with him i'm a big fan of sean mcveigh's um i've met him before i thought everybody that i worked with 
in St. Louis that then went to L.A., has been a big fan of his. Um, I just thought he was eyeing a TV job that maybe didn't work out. That was my, that was my like, you know, outside looking in view of it. But I do think the L.A. job, as we were, because one day we ranked the attractiveness of yeah. jobs, is yeah. not as far down as you think if, and this is what I would do, I would trade Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. and I would I would I would start over. I would get I, you know like I would I would take the year with a bridge, see how close to Caleb Williams I could get, and then that job in a year looks a lot better than it did, um, you know, a week or two ago. I mean, I'm not sure how much capital you could you could recoup for two pieces like that, but it's got to get you close to back on track. Yeah. And out of respect for Aaron Donald, who I think is going to play next year, and I have very good reason to believe that. Um, I know there was the Twitter bio thing, but yeah, no, but he's going to play. As a, as a former teammate who was his mentor in San and yeah, I wouldn't go as far as me- he mentor, but I definitely, I definitely was there when he was a kid. Uh, and and uh, I just think the fire in him to to finish strong and and to 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 reach these heights, man, that so few have reached. I mean, he he is within striking distance of a lot of legendary players. I think personally, before it's all said and done, he's the best. Inside guy of yeah. all time, and like I, the, I, I think you can. We can do that debate. Up. It's like Mean Joe Green, and you yeah. can go through all the guys, but John Randall. But I, I he think... was ahead of John Randall. His pace was <laughs> Already, ahead of John right? Randall. And you know, if you talk about Mean Joe Green, like you know, it's hard to adjust for errors. But Mean Joe Green was two seventy five. I was just talking to my dad about this. Like Aaron Donald, who actually, ironically, probably is two eighty five, soaking wet now at yeah. this point in his career. And it's just a different game. And so, like when you when you evaluate him against it. I say all that to say he's got an opportunity to just go to heights that people haven't been. And, you know, I don't think a rebuild, because at least in the the immediacy, it is a reset. I don't know about a rebuild, but it's a reset, however you want to just, you know, uh, separate those two words. Um, I don't don't think he deserves that uh, at this stage in his career. Uh, I would love to see him on the move. Like, I would love to see him go back to Pittsburgh. You know, that's that. Cool. There have to be some like, hey, I'm going to win, or there's some nostalgic, you know, reason. You know, like um, Pittsburgh would be fun. I, I don't know what Fletcher Cox's deal is going to be in Philly. Philly like, would be fun. You can never count Howie Roseman out of making Always. a move for somebody. Um, there's going to be these. It's such a cool offseason because of stuff like oh. this. And I'm not saying Jalen's going to get moved or Aaron's going to get moved, but all this stuff is on the table. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady, like this might be the wildest offseason. Um, and the, the league has it figured out with their calendar. Their calendar, it's, it's, it. it's, it's just Non-stop. so it's so phased in correctly, so you're always watching, and this well, offseason is going to be wild. Even expanding the season one season, pushing the Super back one, one week, but keeping the combine the same week, yeah. instead of a three-week lag, it's Super Bowl, weekend off, Combine. Yep. It's like you don't even. It's yes. it's, it's nonstop. It's yeah. like you get a breath. Uh, back to Aaron Donald. I honestly think this. And Sean and I haven't talked about the players and the roster and all that stuff. I, the TV thing is interesting. I think he definitely entertained that last year. I don't think. I think he knew going into it that those seats were filled, and it's not like he was fixated on that this year. I think it was more just the burnout factor the burnout. and all that stuff that we were talking about with Cliff. But um, Aaron Donald last year, I think, was a lot closer to retiring than people realize. I think so, too. And I, and I also think, and it, you tell me, you know him, but this is from what I hear from people in L.A., like, 
he does have a, an eye on someday being like The Rock or yeah. someday being in action movies like your father and yeah. being in Firestorm or some of that stuff. Like, yeah. it's not like some funny gag. Like, I think Hollywood has suited him well. The question is, that was last year after they won the title. He's shirtless on the the state. I, you know, does he go out and be the rock this year or does it have to be, give me one more season somewhere else or whatever it is or with the Rams and let me build that back up. Again I a think bit. the world of Aaron, I think he's, he's just such a, I mean, for somebody who's so powerful, you know, like physically his, his persona, the whole thing, his humility is incredible. Um, his work ethic is incredible. I can remember him in St. Louis. I tell this story a lot where, you know, I was usually, I'd stay after in camp and watch film. And, you know, the, the parking lot would be kind of empty. And, you know, obviously he didn't have a car yet. So I'd look out in the parking lot. There'd be no, no cars there. I'd go down to the D-line room, try to watch film. There's one place we could watch film, be eight at night. And I repeatedly, over the course of the first week of camp, had to go in and decide whether I was going to unseat this rookie who's trying to get better. He was in there in the dark room. He's the only guy in the building. Or was I going to get my time? And uh, I'm not an iPad guy, but what I do is I just say, oh, I'll go watch my iPad because I was so <laughs> impressed by this kid and his work ethic. He was immediately a pro. And everybody in the D-line room knew that he was going to be a Hall of Famer the first week. So, you know, you give guys this much talent, this much power, um, this much, you know, gravitas. I mean, he, he, he's one of the, the most iconic players of the last decade in our league. And most of them kind of abuse it. I just feel like it's such an easy thing to get drunk on your success. And he's never, he's never yeah. been that. He's still hungry. You know, I do think the retirement thing almost happened. But I think this year was so tough. And obviously the, the end of the season with an injury for him, which is kind of unheard of. I think he wants to finish strong. And I think, he, I think sometimes like winning a Super Bowl can make you feel like, yeah, f it, I want to walk away. I'm so tired. You know, he's never been on a run like this. When he was in St. Louis, we finished in January. Yeah. And you go to L.A., they're bad in the beginning. You don't get to feel like what this calendar feels like to go deep into the postseason. You know, he, he's got a little family. You know, his wife, Eric, is awesome. They're just great people. That can – it's like J.J. Watt had a baby boy. And then he's like, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, like, and that happened for me late in my career where it was like, by design, we waited to have kids because my dad played 13 years. I know – hear him talk about what it was like to come home and, and be kind of checked out for me, yeah. you know? And so like part of that is the burnout of the moment you're transitioning in your life into having a family and all that stuff. Like I believe this year being hurt, sitting there watching, it had to make him want to play more. And if I'm Aaron Donald, I, I probably don't want to go through a rebuild at the same mm -hmm. time, you know, cause when you get older, you're like, I can kind of pick, I can call my yeah. shots a little more. Look, you you stuck it out with some, you know, struggling St. Louis yeah. teams, but you end your career with the Patriots and with the Eagles and hoisting Lombardis, but no one was like, you know, who's this mercenary? No, like you were a free agent. You yeah. signed with these teams and you played big roles. The thought of Donald going somewhere else is fascinating. Um, but all look at all those veterans on the Rams. Like you're right. Like it's gonna Okay, so they bring everybody back and they're ten and seven and they're a wild card. Like they're still they're in financial not hell. Be a wild they're card still team, in salary though. cap I hell. I don't think they're going to be because I I don't believe Stafford's got 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 it in him physically anymore. And that's not personal. I'm not like taking. I no. love Matt Stafford, but the guy's been through hell on earth. Like before he got to L.A., he was he was like Buddy Lee in Detroit for a decade, dude. Like you know, and it felt like 
the way their offense went, they were back to being the Detroit Lions. The offensive line was decimated. He had one trans, you know, terrific target. But yep. outside of that, they were just throwing to guys that like, and I felt like he had to do too much. And I just don't, I don't see them next year being in the position to make the playoffs. It's so early. I just think about the cap, the draft capital, all that stuff. You look at Jalen Ramsey. He played so well in the last game of the season. He was really good against Bro, the. He still uh, got it against the Seahawks. Yeah. You know, like he's got that guy deserves to be playing football, meaningful football somewhere. How about send him to Jacksonville? You know, let him finish. Send him back. Just, you know, like I'm just working my my uh, yeah. you know my fantasy storylines. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it could be such a fun off season. And for LA, the job could could flip pretty quickly into being, hey, it ain't so bad. You know, yeah. it looked like we were in cap hell. It looked like we we didn't have any capital, but maybe we can move some pieces and take a break for a year. Yeah, the Caleb Williams thing is interesting because he's the first real transcendent quarterback in the last couple of years. Yeah. The other guy is the North Carolina kid yep. whose name is May, I believe. May. I hear so much about him. There's always there's already this thing, and I remember it when it was with like Griffin and Luck. It's like everyone thinks that it's this guy, but yeah. the real guy is the dude at UNC, yep. and that, that'll be fun for the next year. No question. Uh, quickly, before we wrap, your take on the Lamar situation. Let's take it from... Lamar's standpoint, how the season ended yeah. and where that where that situation lies right now. Well, before the season, I went on ESPN and I got murdered because I said that Tua can't throw the deep ball. I don't. I still don't feel that way. Um, and and I said that uh, I think you could see Lamar in Miami before it's all said and done, which I think would be a lot of fun. Okay, so like I'm saying that to say, it's interesting when you look at certain teams that might be suitors for Lamar because I do think it's he's played his last game in Baltimore. I mean, do you, you really do? I, you don't think that every bridge has been burned as a player? Like once you go through this stuff publicly, it's. I, th I, I think it's. I think the bridge was quietly burning for a long time, you know. But then this was like, you know, just. I I do think he was hurt. Obviously, he was hurt. I think we've been dealing in a lot of hypotheticals. Hey. We don't know how hurt he is. Some of the quotes after the game were like, Lamar's walking around 50%. He's limping around the facility. Um, I also think after their, their season finale game against the Bengals, that reading the quotes from the players, it was pretty telling. Isaiah likely had a quote that was like, Lamar will always be family. Like, what does that mean? So that's a rookie in the fourth round, like, who just got to know him. Like, Opening already his mouth, he's got though. his back. Yeah, he's already got his back. He's got his back. But always, he's always going to be family sounds like... Goodbye. Like, we kind of know. You know how players know stuff. Yes. And the, in the public out here, we think one thing, but in that building, it's so tight-knit, it's not getting out that maybe the, the you know, the kind of... The status quo is that, hey, next year we're going to have to... We're going to have to figure it out because this bridge is burned, as you put it. Um, I do think, you know, one of the things that people talked about was why wouldn't he at the game, this, that, and third. He went to the Pittsburgh game the week after he got hurt. There's something you could glean from that. It's also like if you wanted to get him back next week and he's there's fluid in his knee and all that stuff, yeah. like it's legitimately Don't not travel. the best thing for him to be standing yeah, out on Sean the field. Yeah, Sean Payton said to me, like, any lower leg injury, you wouldn't have that guy on the field. I don't care who it is, if it's a captain or if it's Tom Brady, you would never put him on the field just by the off chance that the he gets run into. Or yeah, something. you get thrown into, you get thrown into, just the standing around can really blow your knee up. Being on the plane, even if it's only for an hour or two, yeah. can really blow your knee up. You know, uh, I'm sure if they wanted him back the next week, he's probably receiving treatment in Baltimore where they have the best modalities to do that and the best setup. So I've tried not to 
jump out of the gym on some of these anecdotal kind of sidebar conversations, but I think from a football standpoint, Baltimore, the the Greg Roman thing has run its course, right? The red zone calls were bad. J.K. Dobbins needed the ball. Didn't touch it, yeah. And I think it's legitimate to gripe about the, the, the weapons that Lamar's had from the beginning, and I'd hate to waste the generational talent because, let's face it, He's played the game a different way than your average quarterback. I'm not saying he's not a pocket passer. He's a pocket passer. The guy can sling it. But having him in your design run game over a course of five years, carrying the ball, uh, extending plays, like there is an attrition factor to that that other quarterbacks aren't, aren't enduring. So, like, his window may be not as big as we think it is. And I think, the, you know, the, the impetus to get him somewhere as a fan where he has the weapons – that we can enjoy him fully flourish. Like I'd love to see it in the next, in, in th- this next deal. I don't want to see Lamar finally get um, a good setup at 31, you know, because like, yeah. I don't know what he's going to look like we at 31. Know. And so yeah, someone texted me and said, and it was in the guy in the league. He was like, from the Baltimore standpoint, you've seen Lamar for five years. Do you put all your chips or all your eggs in that basket if you're not sure he's going to be even better in the next five years. And I go, you can't look at it that way. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Baltimore should have paid him whatever he wanted. And I know that sounds crazy. And like, especially with the guarantees and all that stuff, but I think it's gone really sour. I'm going to flip it to the sports media critique of it because on my show, the one before your father's Fox NFL kickoff on Saturday, Michael Vick and Charles Woodson came out and they were pretty adamant. Like, yeah, he might be hurt, but if he could even go, it would have been cool to see him go. And, and you know, people were bouncing back at Charles Woodson on Twitter saying, yeah, but RG3's career and, like, you know, C. Wood does not give a Guys are playing hurt every week. Now, again, I want to couch this with what we said earlier. is like we're dealing we in hypotheticals. So, like, you know, I don't know what Charles and Mike knew, but let's say let's say he was a game-time decision, truly, like, which, which means you probably might be able to go, but you got to get out there and run around and figure it out. Well, one, he'd probably be in Cincy, you know, warming up and out on the field. He hadn't even practiced. He hasn't practiced in five weeks. You know, uh, but hypothetically, let's say, I think we've just entered an era where fans and even media are so removed from, like, how football players feel. Sometimes we think for football players. And, like, uh, the resounding kind of sentiment is, like, in this era of player empowerment, hey, if you don't have your contract, don't play. Well, you're also saying the other 52 guys in that hypothetical scenario and the fans and the coaches yeah everyone and and, hey we're in this era where that could be good business but you can't be surprised when football players feel like hey if you can go in a playoff game you probably should because Mm -hmm. that's the way like i remember martellus bennett calling jimmy g a (laughs) because jimmy g didn't play uh, early in the year that I was there when Brady got um, injured. Yeah, Brissett came in. Brissett yeah. came in. We had played the Dolphins. Jimmy G got pile-driven into the ground. His shoulder was about to fall off. And the next week, we play the Bills, and we get throttled a little bit. And Jacoby plays. And a couple years later, Marty's like, yeah, he was a for that, like this, that, and the third. And I think even some of you know our former teammates were kind of like, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him play. Yeah. Um you know, I, I feel like it kind of depends on the player, right? The way fans and the media react. Everybody's like, yeah, 
Uh, did you hear what Marty B said about Jimmy G? That's not a good sign for Jimmy G that his teammates felt that way about him. Yeah, well, not every teammate felt that way. Not yeah. every. I didn't feel that way. Yeah, you know, you I, know it's like. Yeah, I, I think there's a mixture in an NFL locker room of like how guys feel about. There's the old school NFL guys, Charles well, I was Woodson, ask and if Mike. That's Zay. generational. Like it's generational, is that generational too. Because McCordy on my show, not anything abrasive. It's just like. He doesn't have a contract. I, I I don't for a second. And he goes, I played her, but I, I wouldn't spite him for not. I wouldn't spite him, right? I, I wouldn't spite him. And again, like for anybody who's zoned out the last five minutes, like I'm talking about a hypothetical, which yeah. I don't believe was the case. I believe judging by everything that I, I was reading that you, that you hear, you putting two and two together, that he's not ready to play when they played Cincinnati. It just wasn't worth it. Um, but say, you know, it's one of those situations, bro, I've had a high ankle my contract year, my contract year in St. Louis, I had a high ankle sprain that keeps guys out a month, you know, six weeks, two weeks, whatever it is. I shot that up every week because it was my contract year. And I, I couldn't walk during the week. I'd numb it up and I'd go out and drag that thing around. And that was the best year of my career. I had 13 sacks and I made the money that I'm still living off of on my next deal, my next big deal with the Rams. So sometimes risk works out. And sometimes it doesn't. Now, the downside of that is my ankle was never the same. And I yeah. truly don't believe that. Do you still feel it? Well, yeah, but it's a little thing. It's, it's just you lose your ankle flexion You yeah, as a rusher. That's huge. I mean, like on my inside foot, now I can't bend as well. So my game changed a little bit. But I also had the money at that point. And, you know, I still was a good player. But, but it just there were certain things I could do in 2011 that I couldn't do anymore. And so, like, that's the inside look into, hey, I'm sitting here. I'm on a big rookie deal. I have the security of my big rookie deal. I want to play because I want to make another big deal. Uh, and I'm having a great year. It's like halfway through the season. I'm going to keep sticking this thing out. Like, maybe I could have been, I could have shut myself down. But I was also an idiot, too, that in 2014 when I had ankle surgery, I rushed back and I was terrible. And I do think it affected my free agency stock in 14 and 15 trying to play with an ankle surgery and a broken leg. Um, trying to be a hero, and the bottom line is people don't care. Nobody's going to help you if you look like shit on film, and your teammates wow. who you, you feel so indebted to and you feel awkward walking around the building, you go out there and suit up, at the end of the day, they're not going to rescue you. Nobody's going to talk you up and convince other teams to sign you. Those teams are going off that tape, so everything is a calculus based on the individual and the context around the situation, and I also think the era we're in factors into how we receive it. Dude, that was beautiful. That was great. Thank you. And McCourty was big on the tape stuff too, saying, hell no, you don't want to put out any bad tape. It doesn't, doesn't, no, especially if it, yeah. Last question for you. Was Mike McDaniel vaping yeah, on, dude. on Sunday? All right, so we were talking about this. I, I'm big on like giving people the benefit of the doubt in situations. <laughs> if, if, if you brought that to court, and you had 12 jurors, do you really think that there's enough evidence to charge him guilty of a jewel on the sideline? <laughs> jewel. <laughs> you know? And also, my whole thing was like, people were like, well, he's, I, he's, he's vaping for sure. I go, okay. Well, you've never seen him in a cloud of jewel smoke. No one's, ever, no one's ever caught him. Because if it can happen in the playoff game, it can happen any week. You really think that like somebody on Fox didn't zoom in on him? If he if he's a jewel guy all season long, <laughs> no gloves in Miami, right? No gloves, yeah. like to to you know because he had the black gloves on. You yeah, couldn't yeah, see. Yeah. 
you're going to tell me we just missed it all year? Okay. Then somebody was like, oh, well, he was just really nervous for the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> if you're so nervous for the playoffs that you got to hit a fucking e-cigarette, then maybe you shouldn't be coaching. You know? I, I mean, uh, I don't think he was. I think it was a highlighter, and they, and they panned away just after we would have seen an exhale. So, yeah. like, we don't know for sure. I texted him. I know Mike well. I love Mike. He hasn't responded. And granted, they might have some coaching stuff going on. Stuff they going might, on. They might, but I think it's a pretty important. You thought that Kingsbury Thailand was yeah. big. If I could break the news that Mike McDaniel was in fact vaping on the sideline, yes. that would be a good scoop. Well, do me a favor and tell Mike McDaniel that I I pres- I am sticking to my guns. Uh, everybody thinks he's jeweling, but there's one guy in the media that's stuck. Chris Long. Yeah, I, I got his back. He was not jeweling. There's not enough evidence to indict him. On uh, on smoking like a teenager on the sideline. That's it. Just getting it in. Just um, getting it in. Dude, thank you. Uh, where can we find your podcast? Who are your partners on that podcast? Yeah. And where can we just follow the Chris Long experience? Okay, so Greenlight Pod, you can find it anywhere you can find your podcast. Right now, I got my brother Kyle working with me. Uh, we do our Monday show with uh, one of my uh, high school buddies, Macon Gunner, who's a real estate agent, but he really knows ball. Um, then, you know, I've got another former teammate, Nate Collins working, uh, with the green light team and Bo Allen who just left town. So oh, our cool. little group's growing. We've had Nicole Auerbach joining us through the season, to talk college football. Uh, we just, we love to BS and just kind of keep it simple. So, um, yeah, I don't do the hard stuff like you, Peter. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you could have a chair on any of these shows. Your father obviously is the all-time legend, if not one of the all-time legends, He's your brother's great, doing yeah. CBS. Um, You've chosen to kind of do things on your own terms. I find it really inspiring. Yeah, it's a little bit of self-sabotage thing. I'm pretty good at that. Uh, I, You know, like, sure, I maybe could work towards having one of those good jobs. But I also, uh, I understand that there's a big process with that. And, like, you never want to say, like, oh, I could just, you know, because there's guys going to broadcast boot camp and move yeah. into places. And I think it, I've, I've been at a crossroads at times, like, in as a media guy, where I'm like, should I just do that? And if I got to ask myself, then I don't really want it. You know, like if, if, if I got to, th- if I, if I'm like, damn, I got to take a flight up there every week to do that studio, I got to get suits. I got to do Then I don't really want to do that. And honestly, the couple of times I've been on TV, I don't like the attention. Really? So you said you got like blown up on ESPN. Cause you said that. And like, I fly from New York to LA every week and put on a suit. And you see me on Good Morning Football. Yeah, you're, I wear that Vicky Trillin. Yeah. She'll put me in Vicky's that suit with that tie, and I'll get up there and I'll and I'm Mr. NFL Insider. And even there, sometimes I'm like, God, this doesn't feel normal. But like, that's what Fox does. Yes. that's what CBS does. Yeah. that's what NBC does. You're sitting right now in a Carhartt hat, chilling with a bunch of bobbleheads behind you. I can't. It's I not can't bad. Lie. Like, it looks pretty good. The world of podcasting has gotten better. Like, where the money's very good. Like, you know, maybe I'd be making a little less money starting out doing studio stuff. You know, for me, it's just like, I do not like, I am over, whether it's Twitter or whether it's like a guy on the street, I'm over arguing with people. And NFL fans, you can't give a take without a million people. I thought I felt bad for Mike Vick on Saturday and I'll talk to him. He's been great on our show, but like he comes out with that take and he's just coming honestly. He's like, I played on a, on a sprained MCL. It sucked. But like, if he can go, I would love to see him go. Cause I never won a Super Bowl, and it's the ultimate, whatever. And Mike, you know, Mike got, Mike got crushed. He got crushed for it. He got skewered. And I'm like, well, look, it's very low hanging fruit to just come out there and be like, Lamar should do what's best for him or Lamar. We don't know if he's like, 
Mike had a take. Yeah. And if you have a take on TV, you're going to get clobbered. Yeah. And, I, and, and you know, it's, it's just being on TV, having your face there. I get really uncomfortable performing. And I don't like performing. And I don't like being told what to say. And so, like, mm-hmm. here, that never happens. You know? So, I mean, for the most part, I think finding your groove in this, in this side of things is just having conversations. And that's why I know you like doing the podcast. I love it. You know, it's like a, ni- a nice change of pace so i love it i love good morning football because i feel like we're the closest thing to a podcast where it's just four people bs and you guys do a really good job and by the way mccordy's great erdahl's great like we've talked about this before like you guys have not missed a beat i mean it was just really well respected and yeah i'm especially excited to see mccordy because i I know i know uh jason a little bit and great he's just he's he's fun to see on there yeah. Um, I appreciate you so much, man. I think you're a unicorn in this sports media landscape, but also just a great dude. And hopefully you'll be at Super Bowl this I'll year. We'll party, on a, we'll party on a rooftop like last time. Let's do it, man. Yeah, it'll be a little warmer, I think. I know. I know. All right, All right Chris Long. Great stuff, man. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Chris Long was great, and I have a feeling uh, our next guest is going to be great as well. All right, so if you listen to the podcast every week, we've got an NFL guest of some sort, a coach, a GM, uh, a current player, a former player. And then we also will have on a friend of mine who doesn't work in the NFL. It could either be a friend from college, friend from high school, friend from elementary school. In this case, it's a buddy of mine from Baltimore. And oh yes, we're talking Ravens. We're going to do a Ravens deep dive with my buddy, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. How are you this morning? Are you great? You don't sound great when you're texting me all night on Sunday about play calls. Like, what is the what is the feel of Ravens fans right now as it's Tuesday morning after that loss? Well, I, I can't lie. I do have some relief after all the drama that we experienced towards the end of the season. Um, this has been, after being a Ravens fan for 20-plus years, this was the most joyless playoff experience that we've had. The last part of the year, you know, the lack of excitement, it just felt like one of those TV shows that used to be really good, but you just you know it's bad and, and you're still finishing out the, the episodes <laughs> because you're such a fan of the, of the series at one point. Yeah, like I felt like Homeland had a really good first three seasons, and then we kind of teetered out at the end, but you just watched it out of commitment because of the joy you used to have. Let's get into it. Um, Where do you want to start off first? Because you're critical of everybody, and I love that about you. Uh, Do you want to start with Lamar, Harbaugh, the play call? Where do you want to go? I think we should start with the longest standing uh, person. Uh, That's John Harbaugh. So, you know, I think you have to take a step back and look at the lack of playoff success over the past 10 years and the lack of the ability to adapt to modern NFL passing offense. So, you know, Harbaugh pretty much had a rookie quarterback that was an MVP on a rookie deal. Um, And his brother said at Michigan, that's like starting on third base, right? I mean, how many GMs start their (laughs) job? Right. How many GMs start their job with an NFL MVP that's a quarterback on a rookie deal? And this what you saw 
you know, against Cincy on Sunday night, that was the result of building a team with those advantages, you know? So, I mean, for me, that's, you know, that's where I would start. Yeah. Uh, when you see Harbaugh being a little short with Melissa Stark on, on Sunday night, and you see some of the play calls offensively from Greg Roman, it starts opening wounds for a lot of Ravens fans. And I hear it from them all the time when I'm on the show saying, fire Roman, fire Roman. Do you blame Greg Roman for what's going on and how this last few years have gone? Yeah, I mean, I blame Greg Roman. Obviously, Roman should have been replaced years ago. I mean, you're looking at the playoffs right now. Do you think the Bills or the Niners regret replacing Greg Roman at this point? Look at them. <laughs> Both of them fired point. Greg Roman in the past 10 years. And look at them. They're not suffering. Um even the Eagles, you know, people say Harbaugh's not replaceable. The Eagles fired Andy Reid, won a Super Bowl, fired that coach, and now are back in the top seat. So I think Baltimore is afraid of change at some level. Um, I think Harbaugh answering those questions and getting very short with Melissa Stark, who, by the way, is also a Baltimore uh, product herself, went to Bryn Mawr, I believe. <laughs> uh, so she knows Harbaugh very well over the years. Um, and, you know, I think that Harbaugh is uncomfortable answering questions when he gets out of the castle and doesn't have full control over vetting of questions. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, a lot of the issues with Harbaugh over the past few weeks with Lamar, um, he could have just answered honestly. Like he put it out there to Rich Eisen that, you know, he could play with the brace against the Browns instead of just being honest, saying, you know, maybe he's more hurt than we anticipated. I don't know. But he made it much worse. And this is not the first time Harbaugh's had this issue with, you know, going over injuries. It goes back to Brashad Perriman, who had a week-to-week injury, then lost a year. Um, even Dobbins this year, and we can get to him in a second with the usage of Roman and Dobbins this weekend, which was a huge problem. But, you know, Dobbins got a surgery this year to clean up his knee, and even people in the organization weren't really supportive of that, he said. Um, and he's been pretty candid lately. So, you know... Harbaugh's come out there and is kind of, he hasn't said it directly, but he's blamed a lot of these players for not getting back out there faster, even Ronnie Stanley, you know, over the past few years. And, you know, it, he leaves a lot of trust issues within the players and the fans. And that's where those type of interviews are interesting for us to see because he gets some real, you know, fastballs instead of the softballs he gets at the castle. Mm, uh, all right. The Lamar situation has been dissected by everybody and their mother. And it's interesting because this week on my Fox show on Saturday, Michael Vick and Charles Woodson actually came out and said, put a brace on it. You know, like these are guys who played hurt and they said, I'd like to see him try. And they got killed online. And everyone said, you can't talk about another man's health. And I think there's a generational thing with the ex players where, you know, Vic and Woodson are from a generation before some of the current players and maybe Jason McCourty on my show on Good Morning Football. And I hate to generalize because I know every player is different, but McCourty was, you know, hell, no way you play. If, you're, if your knee is and you don't have a contract, you don't owe it to them. Like, hell no, you don't play. And he yeah. said, I played hurt, but I wasn't Lamar Jackson. And in a lot of ways, I didn't have $250 yeah. million laying in the balance. Yeah. What has come out over the last few days is that like Lamar put that, tweet out himself with the injuries and then the Ravens obviously weren't thrilled that he did that and didn't go through their communication channels then he doesn't travel with the team and we don't know still even today on Tuesday whether it's team policy that you travel with the team or not he did travel to Pittsburgh a few weeks back and had his arm around Tyler Huntley uh you know the entire game so gosh I'll ask this he's a free agent right now as the season ends would you be devastated if Lamar Jackson never puts on a Ravens jersey again 
Uh, yeah, first, the first thing I wanted to say is I thought the Vic piece was interesting because you could argue no player lost more earnings in his career than Michael Vick over the course of his career, right? With with his decision making. So that was interesting for Vic to speak out so strongly. Um, I think most Ravens fans would be devastated with, you know, losing Lamar, especially the guy's 26 years old and you've never seen him in any other offense, but this, you know, basic running offense that Roman has put out there. So, you know, I, I think that to lose a player without even seeing an absolute superstar in another system would be a real, like, devastating blow for a lot of Ravens fans. But I also think that there are some Ravens fans now that feel like too many bridges have been burned and you have to move on at this point, which, you know, which is a, you know, a pretty valid take, except for the fact that you don't replace superstars. You don't replace guys like this. Like you were talking about last week with Kawhi Leonard in the NBA uh, having trust issues and he moved on from the Spurs, but you know, the Spurs are in last place and Kawhi Leonard's won a title. So, you know, you can't really Mm -hmm. move on from these guys and and not have any, uh, you know, repercussions and even sticking with the NBA. I mean, part of the main issue with a lot of fans are, you know, even Michael Jordan and Steph Curry needed coaching changes and regime changes to get to where they wanted to go. And so sometimes you need to do that and you just haven't seen it with the Ravens. So I think you would have some regret from a lot of fans that they didn't try doing this before year five or six with Lamar. Yeah, it's a great point, dude. And I, I know like I bring you on as like the Ravens fan and you think it's going to be some hysterics or some sports talk radio stuff. Like you make really good salient points. And the one I would make when you say about the bridges being burned, I thought it was interesting that a lot of the players came out and supported Lamar after the game. And they weren't like, hell, I played on like, a, you know, a, an injury. Like, no, Marlon Humphrey was out there saying like Lamar is hobbling around the, the facility. Like what? So I thought that because to me, it's when you lose... The, the locker room and they're like, we just let, let it all on the line. And you just decided not to play like that could be cancerous or worrisome. But from what it sounds like, not a single Ravens player has thrown Lamar under the bus. No, I mean, you just had that brief take with Sammy Watkins last week. In- Which I think was weird. Like, I don't think Sammy was coming at Lamar. It was a strange quote. And Sammy, I don't think had any intention of like questioning Lamar Jackson's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was. It was interesting to get it from Sammy Watkins, who hasn't even been around the team the whole year and kind of just had a brief stint for one year the year before. But, you know, all the players love him. I mean, that's a thing. And, I, you know, I, I think that whatever you end up doing, it's going to be very tough to replace him, uh, you know, especially when he's covered up for so many deficiencies for Harbaugh and DaCosta over the years, you know. And, and I think that, you know, if they rebuild – if they decide to rebuild, do you think that they can even do it? Really, you look at everything they've done since they've had Lamar. They didn't sign him when he was, you know, eligible. And then they keep loading into the defense. And then, you know, some people will ask this year, if he was holding out, why would he hold out in the middle of the year, right? And, you know, I don't think he was. I think he was really hurt. But, you know, when Rashad Bateman goes down, what do they do? They go trade for a linebacker, you know? That's what they do. That's their answer is they trade for a linebacker. There's all that Odell talk this year. And I'm like, I can give you 31 teams that Odell will sign with before he'll sign with the Ravens this season. And Odell didn't sign with any, but like, that's not, that's not, that wasn't a place for Odell Beckham because it's just receiver is not a priority for the Baltimore Ravens. No, it's not. I mean, it, it's not, I mean, you know, they have Greg Roman there who they, if he wasn't being effective and they couldn't score, 
They also had T. Martin sitting in the wings, and why not give him a chance? You know, he interviewed with the Bills last year. I don't see Roman getting interviews anywhere, you know, so why not give him a chance while he's there? What's the downside? You're, you know, they didn't score 20 points since Thanksgiving. Uh, the last time they scored over 20 points was when Lamar played at the Jaguars. Do you expect to win playoff games in the modern NFL scoring 15 to 17 points? Do you think that, I mean, that's not going to happen. This is, so this is why it's so depressing as a Ravens fan. Like, you know, this has been five years. You're a joyous guy. You're you're one of the happiest people I know. You're joyous. And it sounds like this is therapy right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a long few years, especially, (laughs) dealing with this you know and now they're stuck with this situation (laughs) so here we are all right so let's let's wrap it with this then i'm gonna give you three scenarios tell me which you would be you would choose a lamar walks you don't get anything for him you cut the bridge whatever b you franchise tag him and you shop him and all of a sudden all offseason there's trade rumors there's that c you sign lamar jackson for what i believe he wants $250 $250 million with a lot of that guaranteed at the Deshaun Watson deal. You have to pick one of those three and no in between. What is the Ravens fan perspective on that? I, I, you know, I can't speak for a lot of the casual fans out there, but for fans that know, most of them wouldn't let go of the kind of talent Lamar is. There's a lot of casual fans who say trade him, but I would re-sign Lamar. I would change their offensive ecosystem to something in like the modern NFL you know, has, and I would go from there. I think that's your best chance of competing with Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow moving forward, period. I am with you, bro. And I think you do pay him what Deshaun Watson makes, and you deal with it. Like That's the market. To have Lamar Jackson, who's the face of the Baltimore franchise, that's the market. Look, Kyler took uh, a little less, but Lamar is way more accomplished than Kyler in the NFL. Uh they gave all that money to Sean Watson. You can't blame Lamar Jackson for Cleveland doing that and hold it against him. That's what the market is. So it's a really tough pill to swallow. I know I know they offered him something, or they were talking about offering something, and he like kind of didn't want it. I don't know all the details, but he wasn't as as pretty like I think you give him what he wants, especially because right now it's ugly. And it like if he leaves and God forbid he leaves and goes to another team and goes and has great success, that might be one of the great blunders in NFL history, letting Lamar Jackson at 26 years old walk out the door. I agree. I mean, the market's the market. You know, you may not want to pay something for a house in a certain neighborhood, but guess what? If that's the market, that's what it is. So you can either live there or you don't. Okay, now that the Ravens season is over, I know you're a diehard Terps fan. You're a diehard Wisconsin Badgers fan. Where do you turn all that energy to sports-wise after the season is over? You know, I'm, I'm already looking at the NFL draft. You know, I, the, the Turks are in a rebuild. I, I, you know, I started looking at quarterbacks, uh, you know, for the following few years, especially looking at the teams I think Lamar could go to. And, you, you know, it's, it's rough. It's depressing, man. It's really depressing when you think about trying to look for another quarterback when you have a 26 year old MVP. Is there a quarterback prospect or prospect at all in the college game that you have your eye on that we could all just say on January 17th, Jeremy said, hey, circle this guy. He's going to be a draft steal. Well, I mean, you know, not this year, but I, I like the kid from USC who's actually a local product for next year. That's the problem. So, you know, this quarterback class is is not as strong as I think some think it will be. But, uh, you know, it, it's still... 
listen, I, I think that the kid from Alabama is a you know an exception to the rule with his size. But I, I like Stroud the best. If I, if I had to pick a quarterback, I'd pick Stroud. He's you know got the prototypical size and and he's played with a lot of good receivers over the years and has put the ball where he needed to be. CJ Stroud. All right, Jeremy, thank you. Um, I wanted to get the pulse of the Ravens fan. And if I could just do some quick takeaways, let me just sum it all up. Roman's got to go. Harbaugh has to get checked in some way and Lamar needs to stay. If we can do all that, I think you're going to be really happy in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I'd be very happy. I'd be very happy to see Roman's contract not renewed and then move forward with a modern NFL team. There you go. Uh, buddy, thank you. Get back. You know, to, you got a pass. Peter. I know it does pass. exist. You just can't run. It does work. Uh, we didn't even get to J.K. Dobbins. We didn't even get to Dobbins. I uh, know we didn't get there, but I mean, his comments spoke for for themselves, right? I mean, the guy hasn't had seventeen more than seventeen carries in his career. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he wanted the ball there, but you know what? If no Huntley kidding. can dive over, uh, if Huntley can dive over from four yards out, uh, an entire bunch, twenty-two people, and just it would have it would have worked. It would have been fine. Yep. But you know, Harbaugh had no problem throwing him under the bus right away, right? Saying he should have burrowed under the line. You know, that's he had no problem doing that. And then you know, when Huntley said something about the Ravens in their in his post-game press conference, the Ravens, you know left that out of their um, media piece. Nope, not many people saw did that. Did they, the transcripts? What did he say? I love this. That's he, deep he, cut. Uh, what Hunt, is the story? So, uh, yeah, Huntley said something. You know, it would have been nice for Lamar to have been here if he could be here, meaning I don't know if they didn't let Lamar go for a distraction. Who knows? Yeah. But they they, they scrubbed that from the post-game uh, media transcript. I thought that was very interesting, you know? Sure is. Yeah, interesting. It, um, it is indeed. All right, buddy, thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, now let's get into the playoff preview presented by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. I mentioned it last week. We got a sponsor, and I am thrilled that it is DraftKings because I go back years with DraftKings. They were sponsors of Good Morning Football. Uh, myself and Nate Burleson did a ton of stuff with DraftKings. They're they're out there right now, and they're putting out their ads uh, mere hours after the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buccaneers, and I'm going to give it to you right now. Dallas plays at San Francisco on Sunday night. Awesome game. And the odds as of this morning per DraftKings Sportsbook are – Niners are favored by three and a half points, minus 110 on that one. Moneyline, Niners, minus 190, Dallas, plus 160. And then the over-under total right now is 46, with minus 110 on that. Um, I look at those lines, and I look at this matchup, and I cannot wait for this freaking game. I'll tell you something. If you asked me on Monday morning how I'm feeling about a potential Cowboys Niners game. I'd say, well, it's going to be Niners in a, in a, in a walk, like Niners in a, in a walk. Niners look so good on, on Saturday and they're rolling and the defense got going and Purdy got those early jitters out and looked as good as anybody. Do you know who looked better than the Niners? The Cowboys on Monday night. I've never seen Dak play like that. And I know Dak has had huge wins in his regular season career and Dak put up 40 in Minnesota this year. Dak Prescott was unbelievable on Monday night. And, and it wasn't just him. It was with Kellen Moore calling all the right plays. And how about Mike McCarthy? Can I give Mike McCarthy some love right now? 
Mike McCarthy, who is often parodied online and is treated like some punching bag and all the fourth quarter decisions and all the weird game management stuff and the timeout mismanagement and are they going for it? Are they not going for it? Why is he going for it? Why is he not going for it? We get a third and goal up six nothing after the kicker missed the extra point in the last touchdown and they get stuffed. Everybody and their mother, including Troy Aikman on the call, is like, I would take the points here. Just go up nine nothing. The defense is rolling. Just go down. Nine- they go for it on fourth down and have one of the slickest play calls of the entire week. A little play action rollout scramble by Dak, and he runs the touchdown in. And like they show McCarthy, and it was like, hell yeah, dude. Drop the mic. I'm going with my gut. I'm going authentically with what I believe in. And I'm going with what I want to do, not what the social media people tell me to do and not worrying about what the critique will be if this fails. McCarthy seems like he's 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 coached the best playoff game he's coached in in maybe a decade, going back to like some of those Packers wins that they had in big moments in the in the mid 2000s with Rodgers. Uh, what a moment this is for these two head coaches. I know everyone talks about the players, but you know I love the coaches, and I look at them. Kyle Shanahan, you think about the 28-3 loss when he was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons. You think about the Super Bowl loss when they're up 10 in the fourth quarter to the Chiefs. You think about last year's NFC Championship game when they're up 10 and Jaquaski tart drops that interception, and then Cooper Cup scores, and then away we go for the, for the Rams. All those heartbreaking losses by Kyle Shanahan coach teams. Then you look at McCarthy, fired, a joke, treated like like some buffoon on Twitter. Would two coaches be validated with a Lombardi trophy this season more than Mike McCarthy and Kyle Shanahan? Gosh, I can't wait for it. Cowboys versus 49ers. Bring it on. I hope it, I, I wish it was a Thursday night game. I'm ready for it now, but it is Sunday. It's the last one and it's the main event. That, my friends, was the playoff preview. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code THESEASON. New customers can bet $5 on Super Wildcard Weekend and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THESEASON. No space. One word. The season. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Void in Ohio and Ontario. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms. And guys, that's the podcast for the week. It's my favorite football weekend of the year. This beats the draft. It beats wildcard round. It beats opening weekend. It's divisional round. You got eight teams. You got four games. It's wall to wall. It's great logos. It's great quarterbacks. It's great stories. And it's great for the NFL fan. I want to thank Aaron Wong Kaufman. I want to thank Jason English. I want to thank Jason Kleinman. I want to thank Matt Schneider. I want to thank all the folks who work at iHeart and NFL Network and helping putting this thing on. And I also want to thank our maestro, Jack Rudd, who does the music for this thing. Guys, we'll see you next week. We're going to be down to four. Until then, enjoy the games.
The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.